Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again for the second podcast of our pre-season pods that we're doing running up to the NRL season. Uh, this episode, we have Billy Marion returning for the first time in 2020. Billy, welcome on back. I hope you had a good break and you're raring to go, mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, sun, surf, ears and ready to tackle all those blokes with a big Jogo names. <laughs> good stuff. Well, we went through a few teams last week with Wilfred. We got some pretty good feedback on that, which is great. Certainly keep sharing us around and downloading and everything. iTunes and SoundCloud, you'll find us in all the Supercoach groups as well. But this week we have three brand new teams to throw at you. And Billy, I thought I'd throw you a bone for the first uh, episode that you're jumping on for 2020 and give you the Eels, mate. So we're going to go to the Eels first. Also go through the Gold Coast Titans and South Sydney Rabbitohs as well. So a lot to get through. Let's start off with your Parramatta Eels, though. Before we talk about any players, mate, they're your team. Do you think that they're going to have a better year this year? How are you feeling about their chances for 2020? Why do you have to punish me with the first episode, mate? <laughs> <laughs> so there's no confidence at all? Uh, look, I think they'll, they'll go all right. But honestly, um, we're probably more of a sort of fourth to sort of twelfth type team again. Not wooden spooners, but I can't see us sort of finishing top three this early. But... I think um, the home ground, having a home ground for a full year would be good with some forwards and the acquisition of Madison. So, yeah, we'll see how we go, mate. Good stuff. I, I think you guys will do pretty well this year. I'm sure that you'll be in the eight. And um, Bankwest was a great stadium as well, just on a segue. Obviously, there's some good stats at Bankwest. But, all right, well, first off, let's have a look at the Eels' um, gains and losses. So, Parra Eels have got some uh, pretty good signings. Ryan Madison's come across from the Tigers, obviously, and that's the star-studded signing for the 2020 season. But Regan Campbell-Gillard's a pretty underrated one coming over from the Panthers. Uh, no one else really of note. The losses, Tim Manor, but he wasn't playing too much anyway. Um, Matt McIlwerick is retired. Manu Mauru is going to be the biggest loss gone over to Hull, and he was an absolute beast last season. Uh, Morio is gone. Um, that's just going to free up some good minutes. Um, and Josh Hoffman's unsigned, but he wasn't really playing too much. So a couple of big key forward signings there that are going to be really good. Let's um, start off with that, though, mate, because the first gun that we're going to talk about for the Para Eels is actually Ryan Madison, um, who I think is a fantastic signing for them. He's 626k. He did 67.4 points a game last season with a high of 111 and a low of 50. So that tells you how consistent he was. Um, he didn't actually have anything below 50, uh, which is crazy. Uh, having said that, um, I really like him. But in saying that, a couple of things I didn't like about him last year for me, he had 11 scores in the 50s. Uh, it goes largely unnoticed. So whilst he's got a great floor, uh, he had basically half his season that only scoring 50s. He still had two tons, and he still went 80 plus four times, though. So he's as consistent as he's got a 55 base. And that's a big kicker. The 55 base is outstanding. One of the best base, pure base guys that you're going to get. I'm not sure at the Parramatta Eels sort of where he's going to fit as far as whether he's just going to seamlessly go across and do the same sort of numbers as he was doing, uh, whether that edge roll at the Eels is going to be significantly different than what he's had before. The fact that the Tigers' numbers, he did have some middle minutes in there as well. He also had some 5-8 minutes in there too, though. So he's a great player, mate. But there's quite a few question marks for me at his price as to whether we're going to get those 
high 60s points or whether it's going to be more low 60s and he's going to be a little bit overpriced to start with. What's your take on Maddo for round one? Yeah, I had pretty much the same notes as you. The thing that kind of got me though was that that uh, 50, 50 being his lowest score last year. The Eels have an absolutely sensational draw to start the year, probably the best of all teams. And if you've got Moses sitting right next to him, and I know it's going to take a little while for them to gel, but if you want to take a risk on um, a bloke like him having having an, ep- having an epic draw and 50 being the lowest score for the year with a 55 base, it's probably a good um, low-risk kind of factor there in, in order to pick that up. I know you're going to say, look, he had a few tries at the Tigers last year, but you've got to remember, I think, we called it out last year. Every single edge the entire season last so prior to last year at the at the Tigers, I think they scored two tries the entire season. Whereas this bloke had uh, yeah five tries, so he basically increased um, the entire the, the Tigers' entire edge output in clutch by a hundred percent. So I reckon you can maintain that going going to a team like the Eels, especially when he's sitting off um, Moses. They've got like you said, they've got RCG, a couple of extra, extra forwards. The risk factor is low, so I'm tempted to get him in my team. I kind of got him at the moment, but like you said, there's, there's also reasons to suggest, suggest not getting him. Like he doesn't have that high volatility, so each of their own. But I'm leaning towards uh, having him as having him as a starter, mate. Yeah, I don't have him yet. Having said that, I would like to have him. It's just one of those cases of I'm preferring other options, but I don't see anything wrong with changing to Ryan Madison either. So it's a little bit of a tough one for me because um, normally I have a pretty good feeling on a player whether I like them personally for my team or not round one. And Ryan Madison, yeah. I really I really just don't know. Um, and one of the things too in the numbers too, Billy, is um, he averaged 67 in 2019, but he averaged 56 the year prior. And that was with a, you know, a few less minutes, but not a huge amount. So there was an 11-point difference there. I can see a real in-between of maybe a 60 or 59 average if he takes a little bit. Uh, and that, that, yeah. would really, that would really be annoying when there's some other guys on offer for that premium kind of price. You know, when you're getting to the 600K marks, those are the premium kind of guns. But in saying that, like you said, he's, he's so solid that you're not going to get bad scores from him. And the other positive too is that he had one game at six, but he, I think that he also had a second game at six where he's named in the 11 jumper. Uh, and he had four games at 13 and three games at nine. Now, I actually think that he's a better edge player than what he is in the middle. I think in the middle he gets carried away with uh, a good workload, but I feel like that he's got a pretty good workload on the edge anyway, and he has got the ability and the skill to hit the attack. And I'm not actually going to pull you up on the tries because I think he's more than capable of going five-plus, particularly in that Eels attack. Uh, Just quickly, exactly what you said, just quickly we'll move on. Um, Like you said, average 68 in all the games listed on the edge, which is 82% base, which comes down to that um, uh, 82% base, which comes down to that 55 points in base. Break it down just a little bit further. So his first seven games, he averaged uh, 62, but then he played that one game at um, 5-8, which you were talking about. This is the other one that's got me interested. When he went back to the edge, all nine games for the second half of the season, he actually averaged 72. So his hit-ups kind of increased a little bit. Um, I'm not sure. Like, if you listen to Wolford's podcast, you might hear he might have rotated a little bit more through the middle in those games. I'm not really sure. All, all I know is that he sort of... His output increased a bit. I reckon. I reckon he maintains that deal. So I don't think it'll take him long to gel, mate. And yeah, I'm just going to chuck him in. Yep. No, fair call. I think he's a really good buy, uh, and I couldn't begrudge anyone for doing it. I think he's one of the great pillars for your Ford pack overall for 2020 because he is one of those guys that I, I like to call an anchor. You always need an anchor in every spot. So I'd always like to have it like an anchor in my centre wing, an anchor in my second row, and so forth, because that's the guy that you, you know you can rely on week in week out. 
And even if everything is volatile around it, you know that he's going to pull through with the good points to sort of stabilise everything. He's a he's a premium anchor guy, Ryan Madison, so I reckon that he could be really good. Um, I'm probably not going to do it only because I'm going to choose some other guys that I think are equally as good, but that's just pure preference. So let's move on. The next gun that we're going to talk about for the Eels, and mate, it must have been a good year because a lot of teams have only got one gun that we talk about. The Eels have got two guns from last year that we're going to talk about, so it must have been a good year. And that's Mitchell Moses. Quite a surprising one. Mitchell Moses before last year, averages reading for 2018 backwards were 41, 51, 56, and 38. Not very good whatsoever, but he busted out in 2019 with a 62-point average, and we were all, I think, waiting for him to fail. Um, that meant a lot of experienced super coaches ended up staying off him all year, and he, he really came through, and he really earned by the end of the year the respect of everyone, I think, and, and his worthy gun status, particularly in a position at halfback. It was fairly volatile and didn't have a lot of guys that were really that reliable anyway. A couple of quick things that I like about Moses and that I'm really interested to see whether you're even considering him, Billy. He had a, he had um, a 72 average at Bankwest. That got spoken about quite a bit. But to actually see it in numbers, at Bankwest Stadium, he had a 72 average. He's got more games at Bankwest this year. He also plays a round 12 bye there. And he's formed for the first five at Bankwest and, and the bye. Uh, is a real reason to really have a look at him. Away from Bankwest, he was averaging 55. So obviously nowhere near as good, but Bankwest was just money, and he put up some huge scores there. 133 points in round six against the West Tigers in a demolition. Actually plays round five against the Tigers nice and early at Bankwest, uh, and that was his season high. So that's pretty enticing for him. The numbers really look good. He deserves credit for a, a career year. Do you think that we're going to see that type of Moses again and those Bankwest extra games are even going to help him even more? Or do you think that maybe it's one of those career year type things where, where we see a bit of regression and it was just sort of an anomaly? No, I think you see him go on, but I don't think it'll be sustained the whole season. I think you see that um, high volatility again. You probably see that in every half, to, uh, to be fair. Uh, the only reason why I'm umming and ahhing around leaning towards him early is because the first, second, third, and, th- and the first four rounds, he plays the first, second, third, and the fifth highest leading teams to opposing halfbacks. Yep. So two of those four games, like you said, are away, but one is versus the Titans, where he scored 99 last year, and the other one is versus the Cows, who obviously <laughs> weren't going that great last year. They might come back again this year, but um, he still scored a 46 against them. So I think if you're looking for a start and a start only, I think you could be a good smoky, especially if you're going to get a Madison, like get the get the two blokes to go kind of hand in hand maybe. But I wouldn't recommend holding him the whole season. I'm not even sure I would want to hold him right until uh, round 12, given the way last year played out. Head-to-head teams seem to be doing a lot better than um, a lot of people have actually planned for buys. So I'm thinking about having him early and then culling him regardless whether he goes well or not. Yeah, I mean, you're not. I would imagine that you'd still hold him for the round twelve, and then pun him after round twelve. So you got him for the buy then, if you're going to start with him. Yeah, that would be a lot of money to leave on that bench, though. But then again, who are you going to trade him to? Clear is you, clear is you, and the other one at the sort of seven spot. So yeah, you might be right. It's just a matter of you know, do you think he's going to go on with it, and do you hold him? So yeah, the seven spot's a little mate. bit of a, a, a trouble spot. The last year or two, it's been um. Been a bit interesting. Normally, it was a bit more reliable with the top three or four guys, and it had a lot more volatility than what we're used to. So, it'd be interesting to see how it goes for the 2020 season. One other thing that I don't like about Mitchell Moses is pretty much if you go month by month with his games, 
he has a stinker without fail every month. And like we know about his stinkers because he's always had them before and that's why he's got terrible averages previously. So he's got less stinkers, but you know, the first month last year he had a twenty eight, the next month he had a thirty seven, then a twenty seven. Um he's got a lot of back to back ones too, where he'll throw you a forty six and thirty six before he throw that hundred and ten last year. That that happened without fail consistently, all the time. And the last two rounds of the season, I tell you what, if I rode Mitchell Moses all year last season and I was happy about the buy, and I should have been if I was going to back my gut and go for it, I would have been absolutely spewing the way that he finished off because he would have killed so many of those guys head-to-head finals teams because he finished off with the last two rounds. Well, the last three rounds, really. He scored 48, 14, and 37. So he's got those stinkers in there, and two of those last three were at Bankwest Stadium too. So, you know, maybe the Bankwest numbers were just small sample size as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing sort of making me um and ah about him. So if you've got a bloke like the, um, oh, I'm going to start screwing up names already, mate, <laughs> but you know, the, uh, the Raiders, the, the, the Pompey bloke for the Raiders, whatever his name is, I can't remember. Price is around 33k. Oh, so no. Nine and a half, whatever his name is. Oh, George sorry. Williams, is uh, George Williams, yeah, George Williams. Yeah, we'll be talking about yeah. Him so look, it, yeah, so if you get, um, Bloke like Williams come out and throw a stinker and give you twenty five. Yeah, you're going to have the shits, you know. But at least, you, at least you're actually getting what you pay for. You're not. And if you got, if you get him, and instead of getting Moses, spend sort of five hundred, six hundred k on a forward and get you sixty, sixty five. You're not going to be disappointed because at least you've offset that score with a score elsewhere. So um, you can kind of carry that. Yeah, that's why I'm going home about it. You might get a great start, but if you don't, you're sort of behind April. So. I think this year you can probably go with one or two, like at least one rubbish half or one point five rubbish halves, and and not not worry about that one bad score as long as you as long as you use that point in the forwards. So that's just the way I'm, I'm leaning. Yeah, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent And I mean, I think what you're getting at is a, is a really important strategy thing, especially for new players to kind of understand. Um, and it's a nice quick segue on the strategy for round one, but also for the whole year. Points, uh, sorry, dollars per point is really, really important. And basically, like what Billy said, you know, if you get a 25 out of George Williams and you get a 25 out of Mitchell Moses, the 25 over Williams is actually very, very much okay because you've only paid 300-odd K for it. But for Mitchell Moses, you've paid double the dollars per point of those 25 points to get that 25 points because he's double the price to have him. And obviously, that money gets pulled around elsewhere if you've got George Williams giving you those points. So... Dollars per points is uh, actually a very interesting stat to look at because it shows you the productivity of the guys that you got in your team relative to how much they cost. And if you look at that stuff, you'll be pretty surprised because you'll see some guys that you think 35 shit points from them, but when they're base price, it's actually quite good and it'll be better than some of the guns that you think are a lot better at the moment. So something to keep in mind. But let's move off Mitchell Moses. I think we both agree he's a definite um, risky option, but also he was a gun last year and he could definitely repeat it and he could get some guys off to a quick start. Another guy that's a lot more risky, so I've got him in the risky category, is Mike Acebo. So he's going to start at 548k, which is huge money for him. He had a 59-point average last season, obviously burst onto the scene, High of 152 points, which is awesome. A low of 20, which wasn't so awesome. But a couple of notes that were just pretty astonishing when you look at it. Um, and keep in mind, guys, this is a risk for a reason. I'm not saying definitely go and buy Sebo. But he, had, he scored 22 tries. And he had an eight-week streak of scoring every single week. So that was two months of the season where he scored a try every week. He never had more than two weeks with a drought of no try. So 
pretty remarkable debut season, Billy. He's obviously very expensive for the centre wing. Uh, it, it is very draw dependent for Sebo. His base could be better, but he also you know could improve in this centre all season now that he's got last year under his belt as well. Yeah, he certainly did improve, especially towards the end of last year. I saw a interview with a Gutho on I can't remember who he was talking to. But yeah, he raved about about Sivo, saying how much how much how inexperienced he was, and how how much he developed, and how, how good he was getting under the high ball towards the end of the season. He was starting to make hit ups, and he wasn't so um what was wasn't wasn't costing them sort of a, a field advantage because he was dropping dropping the ball. Um, as far as SC is concerned, though, I, I couldn't do him. Um, I paid uh, I think six hundred k for Semi a couple of years ago thinking they had a really soft draw and yeah he had that one game where he scored 130 but I can't, I can't pay that money for a winger mate because he, he, you know he's going to punch a 25 or a 30 it's just going to bring you right back to the pack um, I can't see it but there's too much risk in there and um, so yeah I'm, I'm going to stay away from him and also like to say thank you for uh, starting with the complex names again Sibo <laughs> Well, one of the things that I will say in Sivo's favour, and it, it really is in um, also in really guys like Moses with the attack and stuff, the Eels do have a really good start. They hit up the Canterbury Bulldogs at Benquist in round one, um, and then they hit up the Gold Coast Titans away, but it's still the Titans in round two. Um, and then round three, they're away at the Cowboys, who are going to be improved, so that's a bit of a harder game. And then they are back at Benquist to hit up the Dragons, who even if they improve, I reckon they're still going to leak points. And then they hit the Tigers at Bank West where, you know, guys were putting up tons for fun and I think they won by 60-odd points. So it's... And then they actually have the... Uh, sorry, the, the Bulldogs again in round six. So they play the Bulldogs two out of the first six rounds. So if you think the Dogs are going to start like they did last year and you think that the Titans aren't any good and the Tigers aren't any good this year, you know, the Eels have arguably got one of the better draws to start the Supercoach season. I mean, they've even got the Warriors in round eight soon after um, and they're also going to play that round 12 as well against the Cowboys at home at Bank West. So I actually rate the real Eels draw one of the best. Um, and I would say if you're going to... I'm probably not going to buy Sebo because he's too expensive, Billy, and I don't want to spend that in my centre wing with the build and the strategy that I'm going for. But if your strategy is to spend money, big money on two guys in your centre wing, and you want to go on a big run to start the season and be risky, I think Sebo is actually a decent um, big balls pod type of guy. No, it's big balls, that's for sure. I think what you'll find is you could end up in a situation where um, he's averaging 85, 90 for the first four rounds, but then all of a sudden you've got a bloke priced at sort of 700, 700K, so 650, 700K in your center three quarter, and then all of a sudden you're going to be going, all right, so do I sell him now? Because all of a sudden uh, you've got him as opposed to someone like Tom Lilo because you've, you've spent the money on a center three quarter as opposed to a gun forward. So at what point do you say, Am I going to hold him to the buyers and hope he doesn't start scoring 25s or am I going to trade him right now and just ride the uh, the VC points that I've managed to do through a loop? Or Geez, yeah. that's a nice, that's a nice, nice problem to have, mate. Getting the average like 90 or something the first month and then have to decide whether to take you 200 grand or just ride him. That's, well, you, that's a fantastic Well, you're going to have to. <laughs> well, you're going to have to. But you're going to have to because he's not going to do that for the next three or four games after that, I guarantee it. So you either take the money and run. Or you don't, and then you come back to the pack again. I think more of averages evens out, mate. Yeah, I mean, I guess it also depends on whether you think that he's going to be an all-season keeper, which is, it's really hard to say, because like, me and Wilfred were talking about it on the podcast to start off the, the season, and we were saying how volatile centre wing was. 
and it was really hard to pick, and there wasn't a lot of great options last year for centre wings. So if you thought that Sebo was going to be in your centre wing at the end of the year and he was going to be in your final team, I think starting with him actually makes a lot of sense. Um, you might get him cheaper during the season, but he's possibly going to give you a lot of good early points because that first couple months of the Eels draw is absolute mint. And to play devil's advocate, Billy, if he does go crazy based on the draw, remembering that he went eight games in a row with at least one try, that's going to mean that you're going to get to round 10, 11 when you have to buy your buy players. And you might end up paying more for him than what you would have if you just started with him as well. So, you know, there is a lot of, of that to sort of consider if you did want to take a punt on an expensive set of wing, I reckon. Yeah, I highly doubt it. But if you just go and have a, just having a quick look at the numbers, he only had six scores over sort of, what was that, 80 last year. He's not going to maintain it. Just going to, if you go and have a look at his three-game rolling average, it was only over sort of 65, 70 maybe three, uh, three or four games and it was around when he had that 152 in there so odds are it's, he's not going to sustain anything like that from round one to round ten so if you're going to if you're looking for that volatility i think you'd, i really think you need to cash in early yep no fair cool or he could throw up 152 points against the, the warriors in, in round eight and just kill anyone that wants to buy him but that is super coach i'm not going to buy him um i'm not going to spend on my center wing I just I do think that it's a massive risk, but it's one that has high ceilings. And if it pays off, you're going to get really good points. And if you're a centre wing guy, shout out to Jamie Goddard in one of our groups. It's uh, much on spending high on the centre wings to start the season. Uh, he's one of the guys that I would definitely have a look at and consider based on his draw and um, what he did last year and the fact that he can improve. But moving on from Mike Acevo, the next guy that we're going to talk about, I actually had him as a risk big balls pod as well. He will definitely be a pod. And he will definitely be a risk as well. And that was Nathan Brown. Now, Billy, you know that I've been a fan of Nathan Brown for a few years, especially for Supercoach. And he just keeps getting hurt. And that's probably the biggest the biggest hurdle for Nathan Brown. He, he still um, comes in at 552k to start with him. So he's not super cheap. But that's only based on a 59 average. The seasons prior, he did 62 and 65 points. And he did miss basically half of the season, uh, or more than half. He only played 11 games, and in 2018, he played the 15. He also did it with 58 minutes a game in 2019. Um, now, the two years prior, between 2017 and 2018, Nathan Brown was playing 68 minutes a game. So we've basically got a full 10 minutes on a 1 ppm guy, basically 10 points that we've shaved off looking at the 20. 20- 19 season and what he's priced at for 2020. If everything works out, I actually see Brownie as really good value. If he's getting those type of minutes, um, I expect him to be high 60s potentially as a ceiling um, if he's healthy and, and going great guns. The last seven games of last season that he played, he actually went back to 67 minutes for those seven games and he averaged 68 points per game for that. So bang on what the numbers kind of say that he should be doing if he's in his normal role. So I actually see a lot of value in Brownie, and I've got him as one of my premium um, second row at the moment because I think he might even be you know up to 100k out of price potentially. Yeah, you're right. He's undervalued. I just think there's too much of a risk with with that injury versus how much uh, how much he can inflate his price by. Um, 100% right. He's probably about sort of 10 points behind his real average, but. Uh, he's going to have to play those minutes consistently in order to get up there. And I don't think he's a type of bloke who can score like a massive ton on you to give you any any kind of really dangerous advantage over the others. So 
risk of injury versus potential points reward. Uh, if you weigh those two up against each other, just going to decide for yourself which side of the fence you're on, and I'm on the risk-averse side of side of the fence. So I'm going to lay him, but um, got a lot of respect for him, mate. He's a abs- absolute workhorse when he's healthy. Um, I was playing touch footy with the kids down the beach and fell over with myself and wanted to sit down for half hour because I wanted to vomit. But <laughs> In, in all fairness, I had sort of 22 schooners. But, and in all fairness, um, I think we've got a few years on, uh, on young Nathan Brown too. So. I reckon I've got about 15 good years on him, mate. But, um, nah, look, I, Ray was a footballer. I really like watching him. But um, I'm just going to, uh, SCY's are going to lay him. Just hope he remains healthy and, and um, does well for the boys. But um, watching him with keen interest coming into round 12, I think, mate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think if he took the injury stuff out the last two years, he would be a no-brainer. And I think a lot of coaches should have him. Because of the injury stuff, it, it is a big risk. Um, having said that, it does also mean that he's going to be a pod. I'd almost guarantee that he's going to be sub-10% ownership to start the year. I, I'm actually starting him because of that. He's going to be a pod. I don't think I've got too many other risks in my pack. And I also see him as a set-and-forget for the year, provided he doesn't get hurt. So I'm just going to run the gauntlet and take the risk. Because I'm also not going to have, a, have to burn a trade to get him in for round 12 either when he plays that buy. Yeah, you've got to be in it to win it, mate. I started with him last year, and I think he was... Well, I'm going to make it, make up some number to here, but I'm pretty sure it was something like he was on 15 or 20 after three minutes, and I remember cheering, going, here we go, Brownie, and then he's thrown his arm out and gone down, and I remember thinking, oh, crap, yeah. <laughs> what have I done? So, uh, yeah, I can see the appeal there, mate. It's just that injury concern. That's the only reason I'm not on him. Yep, for sure. Moving on from Brownie... Uh, the next guy is under our cash cow rookie uh, banner to talk about, and I'll just say up front that Eels don't really project to have certainly no rookies that we can look at that are going to be viable to start with for round one unless anything changes on TLT, and not a hell of a lot of cash cows really either. So the guy that we're going to talk about um, is a mid-ranger in the centre wing, and that is Wanga Blake. So Wanga Blake obviously came across from the Penrith Panthers. Uh, he's only priced at 387k. Uh, and at a 42-point average. So that's why it's pretty interesting um, to have a look at, especially for people that are going to go cheap in the centre wing. Um, He's a guy that's a bit of a strike weapon that you can put in there. Prior to 2019, Billy, he had a career year where he averaged 59 points a game. I know a lot of people bought him last year and kind of thought in that Eels attack he was going to be like a 60 type of gun um, because he was doing that 59 in 2018. Obviously didn't happen. Um, but there was cause for a little bit of optimism because he's been able to do that before. And he only scored four tries all year for the Eels. Admittedly, he missed half a dozen games. But he only scored four tries, and that was only three games. So for a strike setter to only score three three tries last year, there's got to be some upside there to at least double that tally in a decent year when he's healthy. And if he has a, you know, a play into his potential year, um, he really should be doing a lot more, like in 2018 when half his games were 60-plus. So... I can see the appeal. Um, I can also see him throwing out a lot of dud scores like he did to start last year too, though. Yeah, that's, I, I can't go anywhere near him, mate. Um, 17 games and having, what, four, 12, 13 of those um, score under, under 42 in four games. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure out. He doesn't really have much of a work rate. Yeah, he's maybe resurging his career at the Eels. Yes, he's probably on the good good side. Um, yes, he has a has a good draw that maybe make him a bit of a cash cow, bit bit of a risk to play him. Although you've got to take some kind of risk early, and you've got to buy someone cheap. So maybe maybe he's the smoky that uh, some people get. I know some very very astute coaches with a lot better super coach minds than uh, I do. Uh, kind of have him, mate. Yeah, I've got him in yeah, at the moment. Mate. 
I said astute minds, mate. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> sorry, buddy. Um, no, I, I know some other people kind of have, have him at the moment. I've had a look at him. I, I just don't see the interest, but that's just me, mate. I've, I've done a wondrous thing before, though, so <laughs> listen to other people. Well, I haven't won either, so I'll tell you a little bit behind my losing strategy and not taking out the 50K. I, I have him at the moment, and you know there's a really good thought process, and a couple of guys have spoken about this probably better than what I will. It's, it's, it's interesting because you need to look at Supercoach you know, a lot of different ways, and even Rugby League. Um, one of the things that have happened in the last couple of week, uh, years in centre wing is it's become very volatile. And there's an idea now um, that some coaches have where there's, this, there's no good centre wing idea. Where you're going to have a one or two maybe at the top, but realistically, because they're so volatile, any half decent centre wing that's not bottom of the barrel can score as good as the top centre wings on any given day, and you're going to have those fluctuations all the time. So the key is whether you just you just look at that and just say all centre wings are shit. I'm just going to play the draw, and I'm just not going to spend there. So whenever guys get cheap, I'm going to buy them, and that's when I'm going to get them. And I'm going to get them when they look like they've got a good draw. Wanga Blake ticks all those boxes. You know, he's a guy that could, uh, for the draw that they have, he ticks a big box set. He's got a great draw, and he's only um, 387k. So he's not going to break the bank at all. He's actually very cheap. And the best time to actually play those guys that you don't want to normally play every week is actually the first two months of the season. And that was sort of my thinking with it as well, because. The first two months of the season, you're not going to have that many guns in your side. You've got the salary cut for round one. You don't have the price rises rolling for the first few games. Uh, you, you have to play all those rookies, mate. And a lot of people are stuck playing rookie wingers and stuff that are base price. At least someone like Wanga Blake's going to be better than that anyway. So I kind of see him as a guy that's going to be decent to play with that draw and also not break the bank. And maybe you get a good run and you can get 100 to 200k out of him pretty easily if he goes on a big run. So that's sort of my thinking on it and why I've got him at the moment. Yeah, true. Look, if if, he, if you're going to have one person squeeze in between um, Moses and Madison and Fergo um, with that home game um, and and Moses kind of st- statistics uh, during during those games, that opposition, uh, he probably is the type of person that you want to pick and choose for games. Um, look, if you can pick, the, if you can just play him at sort of uh, uh, Bank Bankwest Stadium and bank a few points there, and then sell it and sell him at, at his peak, then he's done his job, and that would be the main reason why a lot of people have him. Yeah. Um, not obviously not for the long haul though. Uh, just quickly, I think a couple of years ago, might might have been even been last year. I did a, a dive of. Top ten, top ten, ten and three quarters for the last five or six years, and, and yeah, no real surprise. Nine of the top ten were all second rowers who were available at ten and three quarter. Uh, wingers who became fullbacks like RTS who were available ten and three quarter, um, uh, or centers who were actually goal kickers. And there was always only one one anomaly, like one player only, only like a. A, um, and it was like a Brad Rada type who just had a freakish year with scoring, you know, 20, 22 tries for the who, who came who came in top top three or four. So, yep. yeah, a bloke like this is going to be a cashier and you pick and choose and then to sell. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I wouldn't be holding him. Um, I'd definitely be selling him. Uh, he's an all right uh, option, guys. I don't, I'm not at all saying um, I bought him because I believe that he's definitely going to do it. I have as much, uh, I, I'm as scared as anyone. That he could very well be the twenty, you know, fifteen to twenty seventeen version of Wanga Blake, who was averaging forty points a game, and that's going to be disappointing. Um, but I'll just move on if that happens. Going off from him, we've got a couple of other guys on the 
um, eel side that don't really fit any of our lists that we're going to just quickly touch on um, because they're reasonably popular guys. The first one's Gutho, 532k. Um, he had a 57 point average, but I want to give Gutho a little bit of credit, Billy. He did actually um, go the first 10 rounds averaging 65 last year. And for the first two months of the season, odd, he was very close to the number one player in the game. So he did actually go exceptionally well. He obviously fell off a little bit, but he's fullback only. Um, that's why I, I think that you definitely can't pick him. And I don't normally say definitely rule someone out, but I'm definitely saying I think Gutho should be ruled out because there's too much quality at fullback, even though he was a popular guy last year because he could be in the centre wing. 100%. Um, started on fire, like you said. Uh, the numbers I've got here are... Average 72 in his first eight rounds, but that included nine try assists and three tries, and pretty sure he's not going to top that. Um, could could have even it. From then on, he had six try assists and five tries and double those games, um, in, which was uh, the next 16 games of the season. So with no kicking, good draw, but not for me. I think there's more risk um, than reward for the dollar outweigh, particularly when you're paying a, a price, paying his price of a 57 average money. Yeah, and you know what else that was really annoying for me? His, his base was only 26, which isn't that great for a, a, um, a fullback. And even if you put in, you know, his, his tackle breaks and his offloads, he still only goes up to sort of mid to late 30s. So someone like Sebo, when you're putting in those base stats, is actually better than him anyway. Um, and someone like Fergo, who we're about to talk about, is actually better than him as far as the floors go. So Fergo's the last guy for the Eels, mate, on my list. He had a... A decent year, 54-point average, but it wasn't as good as his career Rooster Supercoach here in 2018 at 65 points a game. So there's certainly a fall-off, but because of that, we've got him at only 506k, which is decent value. Like I mentioned, he's got a 29 base. Um, that's down slightly as well, so it's definitely got some upside. But if you put his base attack in, so his BBA, it actually brings him up to sort of mid-40s-ish type of area. Um, and 2018 um, was 11 points better than what he was in 2019 as well. So I can see some upside. And again, if you're looking at a strike weapon, I can understand why maybe he's your one guy that you want to spend on with the Eels draw type of thing. Um, so I, I do think that he's relevant, um, much more relevant than what maybe Gutho will be. kind of disagree. I, I agree. Sorry, let me rephrase that. I agree with everything you, you said, except I think Gutho might be a little bit more valuable. We knew that his hit-ups were going to drop off because there's no way he's going to have that that type of work rate going from the roosters, roosters to the yields. Guffo with that draw coming coming from the back can have, can can replicate that seventy two average. It will be tough, but I just think there's more of a chance of Guffo replicating his passing passing left and passing right. And if he can pass right, he's mainly passes left. Yeah, that's fair then, actually. Then then Fergo being on being on the receiving end of you know. A, a couple of guineas from Moses. I just think, particularly though, those those um, f- first four games, there's more opportunity for Moses to do some second receiver um, stuff at, at the finish. Um, I don't like either of them, but if I had to pick the, pick between the two, I'd probably pick the um, Gutho as a, as opposed to Fergo. Yeah, that's all fair. And like the more I think about it, yeah, Gutho has a has probably a better chance at higher points. I guess for me, it's just because Gutho's a fullback and Fergo's centre wing, and I don't want to leave out, you know. A little pappy, a ponga, or a teddy, or something like that, to, to accommodate a guffo, even if he's going to do that. Whereas centre wing, it's it's barren. So um, I haven't looked at the, the guffo's position. Is he far back fullback? No, he's fullback? no, he's he's fullback only, which is why I'm saying I don't think he's going to be that relevant because you can only put him at fullback. Oh. So oh, forget, absolutely forget it. Pappy Hughes will be in everyone's team within someone else. It's more undervalued. Like, yep. Uh, 
yeah, Ponga or Turbo. So you disagreed with me a little bit at the start, and I agreed with your disagreement, and now you're agreeing with me again. So we're, we're, so maybe Fergo is more relevant. <laughs> How about you just pick someone with a difficult name and make fun of me again? Oh, I've got to find one. All right, I'll make one up. We'll move on. Um, is there any last-minute eels, guys, that you want to talk about that we haven't gone through briefly? No, nah, mate. No one at all. <laughs> no, I think that's it. And all those guys, to finish up on the eels, aside from, say, Brown, a genuine strike, guys. Um, and like not as much Maddo as well, obviously, but like Moses, Blake, Gutho, Fergo, Sivo. Some of those guys are going to go absolutely nuts in that draw the first couple of months of the season. They, they will do it. If anyone figures out how to definitely say which one of them is going to do it, then please let me know because I've got no idea. So all you can do is try and get lucky, but... I would guarantee that Sivo, Gutho, Moses, and to a less and, and Fergo, two of those four will probably have really good starts to the season. Um, moving on to South, so so South are going to be really, really interesting this year. Obviously, when we're talking about the ins and outs of the South Sydney Rabbitohs for 2020, the first new face that has to be spoken about is going to be Latrell Mitchell. Uh, huge signing for them. It's been confirmed that he's going to be playing fullback. Bryson Goodwin comes across from Warrington, which gives them even more backline options. Um, keeping an eye on Stephen Masters from the Dragons as well. He's going to be a decent signing, and he's going to come through the next couple of years potentially in that backline too. The losses, John Sutton is gone. GI is gone, but he was gone early into last season. Sam Burgess is gone. George Burgess is gone. And then a couple of depth guys like Kyle Turner that were getting time. Some really big losses there, Billy. Like Sutton, Inglis, and Burgess and George Burgess, all in the one year. I know Latrell Mitchell's a big buy, but it's probably been understated, the sort of losses they've had as well. Yeah, particularly um, Sutton was always a, a cheeky little smoky around origin time too. The bloke had a, a small tendency to you know, hit 100, 110 every now and then go back into, into, into the shadows, mate. So, yeah, probably a few workhorses going. I think Burgess is, uh, well, was obviously well, well past it to injury prone these days. But, um, yeah, we'll see what they replace him with. Let's talk about the guns first. I think the number one gun that anyone's going to speak about when we're talking about the Rabbitohs is, is, has to be Cook, um, surely. Had another phenomenal season, mate. Yeah, I'm not missing him again. Straight in. Straight in. Well, let's look at the numbers anyway. It's a fader. It, it's, it's going to happen anyway, but let's still look at it a little bit objectively. 76 points in 2019. Um, that was actually down two points on his 2018 average of 78 points. Had a 47 base last year to do that as well. He was just outstanding. For the first month of the season, I mean, if we're going to nitpick and have a look at some silver lining in not having him, um, we both didn't have him the first month of the season. I think I bought him like round six or something. Um, but for the first month, he ended up averaging 68 points a game. From round five... No? No, no I had him right from the start. Oh, you had him right from the start. Jeez. Yeah, I kept, I kept, him, I kept him every week. Oh, there you go. Well, that was a pretty good move because from round five up until the first buy, spun out an average of 102 points a game. And round five to that first buy, four out of those seven games, he hit tons. Um, he only had one ton the rest of the year. But that start, anyone who didn't start with him and didn't get him in quickly got absolutely burnt. So like, I, I got him slightly cheaper, but not much cheaper. So it wasn't great to leave him out, but I didn't really miss out on much. Um, because I sort of I got him in for that run of games where he did really well, um, you know, like 109, 146, 69, and then 124, three tons in a month. I got him right for that, so it didn't hurt me too much. But anyone that waited and sort of thought that they weren't going to get him for that 
because of that first buy in that Orion period, just got absolutely smashed during that period and ended up really far behind. So I agree with yeah. you. He's actually straight in my side because I can't risk that. And if it was you know like that again for the first month of this year, I might have a heart attack. Yeah. Look, even, even if um, even if he does average 10, 15 points below his average, his average uh, early, you know he's going to score a couple of tons eventually. And he scores that many kind of big tons that he is that sort of captaincy or VC option. So what you maybe lose in five or, five or ten points here and there, you, you make it up in, in, in the captaincy option. Um, pre-origin, he averaged 86 last year. Post-origin, averaged 76. He averaged 55 during origin. But no, let's face it, no one's going to own him in, in those origin rounds anyway when he's sort of tired and backing up. So get him in early, get rid of him and, and get him in for the back end of the year. But um, again, sort of... T- uh, tired forwards coming back from um, from off season trying to get some match fitness, mate. I think that's where he's going to do some damage again. I know he's getting on in age, but he's it's not exactly my age yet, mate. So more than happy to sort of get him an early paid uh, paid a premium. And um, I think the, the, there's four four blokes here you can generally captain every single week um, without too much concern. Uh, him, Haas, Papenhuizen, and Lola. Oh, that's a big call. I know Papenhuizen's gone well, but I don't know if I'd put him in that boat. I'd put Teddy in that boat, though, because he hasn't had many games below 50. Papenhuizen averages like 96 in his full 80-minute games, mate. Yeah. He's better less than 60 or 70. Me and Wilfred now. went through all that last week, but it is only six games, so you've got to temper that a little bit. But, I mean, with Cook, I agree with you. You can captain him every week. Um, I've got him in my side. I, there's no way I'm going to leave him out. Um, I think that you can probably... What do you reckon, Billy? You can probably have at least two, if not three, um, guys that are sort of that 700k mark to sort of base your team around for your round one team build. And, and Cook's, I think, got to be one of them at hooker, so... Yep. yep. He's worth every penny. One thing that did happen, and one thing that some people have been asking, so it's probably good that we talk about it for a minute. One thing that was noticeable is he had less games that were 60 plus. 61% of his games he went 60 plus. In 2018, it was closer to 80%. Um, and he did have uh, more 50s um, this year, but he still only had one game below 50. But the thing that people have been talking about that I'm interested on your perspective on, the Ford pack looks a bit of a shambles. They've obviously lost um, the two Burgess boys. They're going to be starting some guys that we're going to be talking about soon, like Ethan Lowe and Jamie Sura, um, and also guys like Knight, um, and they've lost Sutton there too. Do you think that the lack of go forward, or if that forward pack struggles, do you think it's going to affect Cook at all? Well, there's, I don't think so. Souths have always had some small minute massive forwards. I think Liam, Liam Knight wants to fill, fill that void by Burgess whatever his name is. Yep. Um, Sutton, Sutton wasn't exactly in massive frame, so Sewell or whoever replaces him on the left side uh, isn't going to make much, much difference. Um, obviously, there'd be massive difference between Sergis and... Um, Anyone, uh, really. <laughs> or, or, or whoever it is, but Sergis hasn't exactly been bending, bending lines lately, and Ethan Lowe's played for Queensland before, mate. He's um, not, not the worst player in the world. I am um, much of a difference at all to sort of cook, so... I'm, I'm, I, mate, I, I, I chuck Cook in behind Tigers. Actually, no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> if in, <laughs> I'd chuck Cook in my team behind most teams, mate. Yep. No, Cook is in. I think he's a great buy. Um, I would um, definitely recommend that not leaving him out for round one. I think that people are going to regret it. The next guy's a gun, but I've actually got him in the risk category. Um, and this is a bit of a controversial one. It is Latrell Mitchell. I'm going to say straight up, it's not because... I'm a Roosters fan and I'm bitter that he left or anything like that. It really isn't. His price at 653k though. 
That's on a 70 average, and I spoke last week briefly with Wilfred about how I hate how Latrell scores points. For head-to-head, it's a killer, because he can go three weeks just stinking before he gives you a big one that's going to get him to his 70-point average for that month. But the other thing, too, is that for the first month of last season, he only averaged 44 points, and he's done that plenty of times. He's very volatile as it is. There's a lot of red flags with Latrell Mitchell for me. He's in a brand-new team, for one. He's in a brand-new position. Now, a lot of people have said with the new position stuff, Oh, he debuted there. He um, he played there in juniors. First of all, there's a lot difference, a lot of difference between juniors and NRL level in a lot of positions. So I wouldn't count that much at all. He knows it a little bit, but most backs are filled in in most places at some point. As far as his, you know, Roosters form at fullback, it wasn't really that great. It was in the 2015 season where they finished at the bottom of the ladder. Trent Robinson wasn't happy with it. He was filling in because a lot of guys were out. And, you know, if, if he was doing that fantastic, he actually would have been kept there. But he really wasn't. And the things that was wrong with him at fullback then are still wrong with him now as far as his defensive reads and his work rates. Uh, so it is going to be something that he has to warm into. I'm not saying that he won't be a great fullback. He might be down the track. He might get better and better. By the end of the season, he might be fantastic. But to start the year, um, I think he's going to have, you know, a bit of a learning curve. He's going to have a hell of a lot of pressure because he's gone on to um, leaving the Roosters to go to Souths, and there's going to be even more media coverage, unfortunately, on him. He's had a bad preseason. He doesn't look very fit. He's at peak price. He's going to be heavily owned, so he's not going to be a pod. I don't want to be too brutal with Latrell Mitchell, but I would recommend like I wouldn't recommend anyone to buy him. And I'm struggling, Billy, to actually see any upside or positive in having him for round one. Uh, the only upside is in any winger or centre going from the edge to the middle and get getting more base in, you know, sort of uh, hit-ups and tackle busts and finishing opportunities is, is always a plus. But a bloke that's already priced at a fullback average um, going to a position for the first time or for the first time in a few years, uh, definitely a no. If he was priced around to the 55 and then going there, yeah, he might be worth oh, the risk. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But, but priced at 72, whatever it is, 70, absolutely yeah. not, mate. And he, he's, a, he's a big boy too, and I don't want to pretend to understand what, he, what his work ethic is, is going to be like. But <laughs> if, the ball, if, he, if the boat touches the ball four times, five, four or five times a game at, at centre, you've got to ask yourself, the question, uh, how many hit-ups of the wing is going to be doing? I'm, I'm, I'd be more interested in those guys than, than Latrell. Yeah, look, I think that they're going to get a lot of hit-ups because the other thing too, and it's not picking on Latrell, you know, even if Latrell was peak, like one of the fittest centers in the league, the fittest players on the field are arguably the fullback. They have to cover the most ground. So he's going to be puffing those first few games. It's a lot of ground to cover. Um, so he's going to have to hand it off a lot more, at least to start think- with. I think the person that benefits most from this is someone like um, Braden Burns. Like you know, you know how much I love Burns here, and, and as long as he's fit, he's gonna he, he's undervalued again already. But someone like uh, Latrell, who who's obviously played left side and is is comfortable with that left side, if he's doing he's, if he's running the sweet play or, or or sitting or managed to get off his ass and is sitting off um, Walker's hip, who, who loves to play that left side and plays us and is so damaging down there. If you got him and Walker feeding, um, feeding that, that left side with Burns there. I reckon Braden is the recipient of some extra clash. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I actually think um, a lot of that back line is going to benefit from Latrell being there, but I don't think it's going to be from stuff that he creates. Um, I think it's going to be because there's going to be a lot of attention on him. Exactly. And South's back line is going to be very potent, and a lot of guys are going to be worried about Latrell running at them. 
there's going to be some great face balls and stuff that just go straight past him to a Burns or a Cody dummy and run sort of thing. Um, and part of that too is because the other deficiency in Latrell's game, and it, he's a young kid, he might get a lot better at this, but when he played at one, one of the big issues was he's not a, he's not a good ball player at all. When he played at six last year for the Roosters and he wanted to be a six, Trent Robinson said, like, <laughs> apparently has said to him, you're not a good enough ball player to be a six yet. Um, and he wasn't when we saw him. He's not a guy that's going to go to fullback and now because he's fullback get a whole heap of try assists and stuff. And they don't need him to because they've got Adam Reynolds and they've got Cody Walker and they've got Damien Cook. They're all really creative players in that spine. All they need him to do is kind of be like a Josh Dugan almost and run, except learn how to defend better and cover the position better. So I don't see him pumping up those you know try assist numbers and all that sort of stuff. I do see him benefiting everyone around him, though, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be funny. Did you see that um, meme going around with um, <laughs> it was a picture of uh, GI on the trail at training and uh, what do you call it? GI is pointing pointing at the goalpost and um, the caption is, "Yes, yeah, so, mate. If you ever find yourself in this position, two points down, just kick a field goal." <laughs> <laughs> and it, I have seen it, and it's also a meme that is going to continue on forever with many different players. And GI will never live that down. Unfortunately for the poor bloke, it's just going to keep happening. Oh, you know, Latrell, look, to finish up on him, I'm not I'm not hating on him. I'm not a Latrell hater. Um, good luck to him. He did great last year with a 70 average. He's as, as volatile as anybody at the best of times. Everyone knows about his work rates and different things. Just buy him halfway through the year if you really want him or, or six weeks in if that's when he drops because he's going to drop in price. He's going to be probably 200k cheaper at some point than what he is currently. Just buy him then. Um, and that becomes a good purchase. Like Billy said, if he's priced at 55 and he's playing fullback, you can put him in at centre wing. That's great. And certainly for the end of year team, I think that he's probably going to be a really good option for centre wing. Um, maybe even for the last just two months of the season or something when he warms into it. But he's going to be an option for sure. Don't do it to yourself for round one. It's too much money and too much risk and volatility to pump into it. Big balls pod, mate. Cody Walker. Now, he's someone that we just touched on that might benefit from the trouble just being there. He's 603k, um, so he's uh, you know 50k less than what say Luttrell is. He averaged 65 last year, but when you look at the numbers, it's actually really interesting. His 2019 season basically mimicked his 2017 season. Those two seasons, he busted out of the gates and was absolutely phenomenal. It's it's pretty crazy, like what Origin did to him. But the the one to ten round average in 2017 was 80, and that was almost identical before his big drop-off um, last season as well. He was the number one player, I think, for about six weeks in uh, last season. And he was also a guy that got out of people's price price reach really quickly because he had a four-try performance and a lot of other things that went his way. And he ended up being priced astronomically. Um, the trouble was that he kept that run on for the first half of the season and no one could get him in. So he was sub-10% as a pod pretty much the whole season. Now, the second half post-Origin... Um, he, he really dropped off during Origin, and, and the second half was pretty abysmal. But he really looks like an interesting big balls pod to start the season with when he can put up those type of numbers, and he's got that back line at his disposal now, and he started so well last year. Oh, he's definitely big balls, mate. He um, certainly beasted the early rounds last year. Um, they was kind of catapulted by that four-try game. Um, I think it was 150 versus the Warriors. Yep. But... Um, yeah, I remember watching him every week going, look, uh, I feel so, no, I don't feel sorry for all these people that bought him because he's not going to score a try every game. And uh, three minutes in, Walker, first try. Oh, God's sake. 
next week. Walker, for God's sake, it just, it just kept going, mate. So Walker's one of those types of blokes where, look, I can sit here on my high horse and say, nah, the guy's overpriced. He's not going to do it again. But you can... <laughs> You can just as well go and chuck him in your team and go, you know what, he did it last year, he did it before. Yeah, so what, I'm not getting more than what I pay for, but he's doing it again and get an 82 average for the first eight rounds. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think you hit the nail on the head um, with regards to the troll. I think he adds an X factor there and probably uh, uh, distracts some of the players. So it might be a good thing for Walker. Um, he's just one of those guys who just need to decide, okay, do I want to take the risk? Do I think he's going to go well? For me personally, I think his draw is as tough as hell, so I'm going to say no. But if you want to go with him, best of luck and Godspeed. Yeah, he does. He does have a tough draw, and that's probably one of the drawbacks. Um, he does have quite a tough draw, but he has shown in the past that he can he can go okay in the tough games. Like last year, in that run for the first half of the season, he put on 81 points against the Raiders at GIO Stadium in Canberra. Hard to do. The Raiders' defense was pretty good. So, yeah, I've actually got him in my team at the moment. And a couple of quick points as to why. The first the first 10 rounds last season, we spoke about his points and how good his average was and whatever, and his 150 that he scored. But he only had one game that wasn't 60s in 10 games as a half. First round against the Roosters, he threw up a 43. If you look at the, the nine games after that, his worst score was 61. Like, it was absolutely unbelievable. And... He only had um, three out of those 10 games where he didn't score at least one try. It was crazy. And some people will rightly say, that's only 10 games. Um, You know, anyone can go on a bit of a run like that. Sure. The thing with Walker, though, that really has me this year is I've gone year after year and not given Cody the respect that he probably deserves for Supercoach. 65 average in 2019, 2018, 61, 2017, 60, and 2016, 67. He's gone on these scoring runs every year. And for whatever reason, um, all of us, including me and you, just say, oh, yeah, but he'll drop, he'll drop, he'll drop. He goes on these runs every year. So I'm just I'm just going for it this year. I think 600K is a plum price for him. Um, and I think that the way he started um, a few of these seasons, I don't really love any of them halves options that much. So I'm actually going to start with him at the moment unless things change. Yeah, you've got to start with someone. The bloke's played origin. He's... he's um tried and tested. Do you, do you think one of the reasons why he goes so early is maybe because of match fitness, like he uh, tied forwards? I don't know, he just... Man, he's a quality... He's one of those players where I watch him and I think the bloke is arrogant and I hate him. And yep. then you come out you come out here and speak after the game you know, about the fans and his family. You cannot but like the bloke, but... I just I just can't take a pun on him, but every single every time I watch him and I don't own him, he goes over. Every time I buy him, he just plummets. He's just that bogey player for me. Yeah, he is a little bit, and it is really tough when you get him and he just goes on a poor run because he does have the low scores in him. Um, but to your point, I think that he starts well because I, I actually think that Souths actually tail off a lot of their seasons. Like there's been so many seasons the last sort of few years where Souths have been really good. To, to kick off the first third of the season in particular. And I've said, you know, for a few years, oh, these guys are going to be, you know, top three teams sort of thing, maybe hit a grand final. And they just seem to, I don't know what it is, but their whole team seems to hit the midway mark and fall off. There seems to be a lot of injuries in that South team that have happened as well. Sergis, uh, GI, Adam Reynolds, back half the seasons is a nightmare. Um, other guys as well copped it, copped it too. Um, so... I think that actually Cody's demise is partly because of South, and I tend to think that when South go bad or his team goes bad or he has a bad performance, 
mentally, I think that scars him a little bit, and I think it wears him down as the season goes. And I think that Origin really wore him down last year, and he copped a lot for that. And I don't think he recovered mentally from it. I don't think Souths were firing either, so it didn't help him. Hopefully, with someone like Latrell in the team, and that starts at a back line they got now, that'll kind of help him fire as well. Yeah, new season, new, um, new fullback to play with him. Maybe he comes out and does the same thing again. But, um, yeah, you got to dish out to find out, mate. Pod play, big pod play. Um, next one on the list to talk about in the South Sydney Rabbitohs is going to be uh, our value place. So, a cash cow rookie guys. We don't really have any rookies, but there's a couple of guys that could qualify as the mid-range cows, and that's due to all the Fords leaving. So... Ethan Lowe at 360k and Sua at 304k are potentially the starting back rowers, and they're both priced in the 30s. Both of them are projected to get a lot more minutes. Um, it's really hard with someone like Jaden Sua because he hasn't really gotten a lot of minutes in the past. Um, I mean, in 2018, he got 61 minutes, and he only scored um, 45 points a game. But it was only across 15 games. Um, in 2019, he only got 33 per game um, across his 41 minutes. So it doesn't look that enticing unless he's getting 80 minutes a game. But if he's getting 80 minutes a game, Billy, um, that looks like that it's going to be value there. Uh, it's going to be some easy money to make. Ethan Lowe's a little bit easier because obviously he had a good early career running off um, Jonathan Thurston and... You know, from 15 to 17, he um, went 56, 64, and 52, which is pretty decent, um, particularly for someone that's priced in the 300s, like low. So if he's got an 80-minute starting job, um, being priced off his 39 points last season, he looks like a bit of value as well. So we've got the dual Rabbitohs back row that looks like they're underpriced in the 300s. Have you got either of these guys, and um, what's your take on, on starting with them for round one? No, I, I don't like them. I don't even like them from my bench because I don't like playing, paying that sort of money for someone I'm not going to start, if possible. Look, sewer has got a 0.78 PPM. Like you said, he really needs the eight minutes to be any real kind of value there. Yep. Um, but oh, Sorry, let me let me rephrase it. Price at a 33 average, there's value, but he really needs that 80 minutes to, to, to warrant an increase in price there. I think you can expect kind of a 55 average from him um, for each of those games that he's starting. I'm pretty sure he's obviously going to start on the edge, so he can probably bank on that as a respectful sort of score. 2018 points kind of supports that. Uh, just quickly, look, just look at my notes. He had a seven-game average of 57 from 80-minute stints on the edge, about 78% base there too. So, mate, you can probably expect a 45 base from him, 50, 50 to 50, 55 to 57 Point average. Just got to ask yourself: Is is that worth paying paying for? Maybe, maybe not. Tough, tough draw to find out. I think low is kind of in the same bucket. Um, we obviously won't be kicking because Reynolds will have that, and um, yeah, it's probably another good point too. If Reynolds is kicking, then obviously Latrell won't as well. So you've got to take those points into account. Positional switch as well as not having goal kicking, which probably makes him even less less appealing. Yeah, now, but, I had that on yeah, my list, that, mate, that, but there was just so many negatives on the Latrell list, I just I just couldn't get through them all. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, nah, that's cool. Yeah, so that, that, that that's my take on those two. Um, whether or not they... I'm just kind of hoping that one of them doesn't play 80 minutes and it somehow somehow makes a, a slight difference to, <laughs> to Murray and he gets an extra five minutes a game or something um, with rotations. I don't know how it's going to work, but uh, yeah, it's a no for me for each of those, but 100% you're right, there's value there if you want Yeah, it's really hard because it does depend on the, the makeup of South Bench as well. It looks like Duhay 
um, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, Dewey, I believe the pronunciation should be, um, is going to go. And he probably would have been a bench utility if he wasn't. So there's potential for there to be a forward forward bench. And if so, that's probably going to hurt these guys. Um, I've actually got Sewer in my team at the moment because I think he's less risk on price. He's only 300k, whereas Lowe's 360k. Um, so he's a full six points plus uh, less of a price point to start with. Um, he's also younger and probably going to be a bit more dynamic as well if you can get the 80 minutes. I think Wayne will lead towards Sewer getting the 80 minutes over low, potentially, just because of age. But they both might get 80 minutes. I don't like getting both of them, though, Billy, because they're both mid-range sort of guys, and it's a bit too much to put in the South mid-range bucket. Yeah, I'll tell you what. One thing that might make one of them a bit more interesting is the one that's playing left side. If you've got two, one bloke playing left side, all of a sudden with Walker, as well as... Um, Latrell and and, and um, Burns or congregating together, um, that might make it a bit uh, the clutch a bit more appealing there if they get something away to one of those blokes. Yeah, I got a feeling that's sewer, but I'm not certain on that, so I could be wrong. But I, I do have a feeling that it is sewer on that side. Um, and 300k, I actually think it's quite appealing. We we do need to see though. He's one of the guys that you should be watching trials and stuff and reading articles and things to see whether Wayne's going to give away his rotations in any way. Um, the charity shield might be a good look, but, you know, you can never tell yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's probably a really good point. Watch the trials, particularly the last trial before the, um, round one starts and make your decision on on, on the form of that game um, as to whether you buy them or not. Yeah, but if they're not getting 80 minutes, just forget about it, just move on. Other guys to talk about, I'm, I'm going to mostly hand over to you on this because he's your love child. I know that you've got a few love children, but... Uh, Braden Burns is one. You did a fantastic article on Braden Burns a year ago, and it was a fantastic call. Um, out of nowhere, he, he shot up and he was great. Um, last season, he came in and he went 70 and 77 points to start the year, and then he had a 10-point game where he got hurt, and then he was gone for months and months. And he returned in around 15 and scored 70. Um, and then kind of went okay, 40, 64, 59, 42, was hurt again, and that was it. Had a really quite a strong base of 29, but when you put the base base attack in, it's actually pretty beastly. Um, he's at a pretty good price point, Billy, where you can get him in at 454k. It's not as cheap as I would like it, but it's only a 49 average, whereas he's got 60s upside potentially. I know you love Braden Burns. He was probably the first center wing that you put in your side for round one. Sure was, my man. Um... Obviously, a little bit of injury concern still there. Two hamstrings and one one uh, injury I hate messing with. But you got to take a punt on some people, and I, I just love this bloke, so I'm going to have a crack. Like you said, you had uh, two two injury affected games last year, around three and twenty two. But other than that, mate, he averaged sixty. Only had um, one try and three try and try assists in there too. So look. <laughs> If the bloke's healthy, he's rock solid and a good thing to have in your stable again. Tough draw, but I really don't give a crap, mate. His his value, and in my opinion, as long as he's healthy, in my opinion, the numbers say he'll be top um, top six in three quarter again. No, fair call. I, I I actually had him in my initial draft that I did on Christmas Eve, um, and I took him out to save some cash. I can definitely see the appeal. I just wish he was, you know. 350 to 380k type of price range, 454k. It's pushing the budget a little bit, and he hasn't shown but, much of an ability to get across the try line. He only had one try in his um, nine games last year. Yeah, but if you can get a bloke that's going to give you, um, you know, 
40, 45 to 50 points just being on the putt without going over the line. That's that's one hell of a high base for a centre, for a centre three quarter. So that's yep. the reason I like him. Yeah, and it's a, it's, it's a great reason to like him. Centre wings that are pure centre wings, not second rowers, and we don't have many second rowers to choose, choose from that can give you that base really valuable. So he's definitely an option. Um, Cam Murray um, should have been spoken about in guns, and we missed out on him. So we're just going to go back and talk about him now. Sorry for the unorganised podcast. Should have been at the start. Cam Murray earned it. 69 points a game in 2019. Absolutely epic season. Um, obviously, the minutes were the big difference because he's gone from 44 points in 2017 to 49 to 69. Um, and it, it really is all about the minutes. He played 59 minutes a game um, in 2019. It was a full 11 minutes more than 2018. He ended up with a base of 51 points, and that was a big thing. But probably one of the things that I didn't expect as much from Cam Murray that I really enjoyed watching is how much his attack came out. I didn't expect it from him. He actually came in and scored a try in the first two rounds last year, and he ended up with uh, eight, nine, ten tries for the season, um, which is a lot more than I expected. He was a lot more of a worker sort of thing in juniors and stuff. Um, even a bit of uh, line, break, line break try assist type stuff as well happened. So I can understand anyone jumping on him because he's a real anchor sort of guy. At 645k, he is someone that you could spend on as your big marquee signing. He's maybe an alternative to Ryan Madison that we spoke about, if you like Murray better. Potentially, the forwards that are gone as well make him more important. He's certainly capable of playing more than 59 a game. So I'm considering him at the moment, Billy. I'm not certain, but I think he's a really good buy. Yeah, I've got him in a thousand different ways you can skin a cat, but... and. On the negative side, look, there are super coaches out there that are going to say, look, he, he did have a lot of um, clutch attack last year, scored 10 tries. It's unlikely to replicate that again. Yes, there were a couple of games where he was only sitting on 30 or 35 and all of a sudden he scored a try in the last you know, three or four minutes and propelled him to a 70 score. But for me, look, Cook goes looking for him. He goes he goes looking for that short, that, um, that, that ball back inside from Cook. They, um, they, 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 they partner well together. Pre-origin, he averaged 74 off 61 minutes. Post-origin, he averaged 75 off 62 minutes. Like you said, that average just came down to 47 during the origin period. So I just feel that uh, that sort of uh, lapse in his average uh, during the origin rounds will kind of kind of offset any of the try. Oh, sorry, some of the trials he scored. So I think getting him at his current at his current price, particularly with sort of surges gone, sort of. Um, potentially in the next couple of minutes, um, him coming into his own. I, I just think Cook's going to go looking for him again, and I'm willing to take the risk, mate, particularly for a guy that sort of knows how to find the line. Yeah, I don't think it's a risk. I think Murray's a really good buy for round one. I just, I just can't fit him. I think that if there's an if there's an argument against him, it's not that he's not a good buy. It's a, just a preference for some of the other guns that are just as good as him. Um, so, for instance, one argument is that Murray is definitely going to play Origin. Um, whereas someone like Tom Malolo isn't, they have a similar price point. You can't spend 650, 700k on everyone in your team for round one. So you know Tom Malolo um, is potentially a better one to have because he's going to play over that Origin period, and you got him from round one. That's one way to look at it, I guess. Um, you could take a punt that Madison isn't going to play Origin potentially, even though he's sort of been um, on the fringes and might bust into the side. If he doesn't, then over that Origin period where. Ken Murray owners are missing games and getting 47 a game over that period again. You're going to, you know, reap the benefit and get Ken Murray post-origin. So I can see people thinking about it that way as well, but he's certainly benchmarking himself against the top forwards. I don't think he's below that tier. 
yeah, look, 100%, mate. Um, he's a risk of some sort, but every single, every single player is a risk. Um, it's just less of a risk if you've got a middle forward playing sort of 65 minutes. You know there's going to be hit-ups. You know there's going to be tackles. If he doesn't go over the line, say, well, we're still going to give you 60 points. So um, not, not exactly going to drop much off his average. So willing to take that and just hope, hope he goes over the line a couple of times, mate. Yep, and a little bit of minutes upside there too. You know, I could definitely see him doing 65 minutes a game and not 59 minutes a game like he did. And if that happens, he ought, he suddenly becomes possibly the best forward in the game. So look out for his minutes to start the season. Um, let's move on to the Gold Coast Titans, mate. The Titans don't have a huge amount of players to talk about, but they do have a few important ones. And now the first gun we almost were talking about in the South chat, but he hasn't gotten a release to South. And he's, at the moment, currently going to be playing for the Gold Coast Titans this year. And that is Jai Arrow. So we're going to speak about him like he's a Titan. He's 576k, and he did a 62-point average, making him a gun for 2019. He did that with a 49 base. Um, It was a couple of points below what he was doing in 2018. So 2018, it was 64 points. That was really his coming-out party. And he actually did that in 55 minutes, which was less than his 57 minutes a game in 2019. So, by all accounts, it wasn't as good a year. Um, he missed about two months of the season through injuries. He did play Origin, which is a bit of a bummer during that period. His minutes fluctuated a little bit. He didn't get the high minutes that he did in probably the first half of the season in the second half as well, so there was a fair bit of drop-off. Um, I really like Arrow as a player. Um, I think that there's some value a little bit at 576k, particularly if he gets extra minutes. I'm interested if he goes to South because I think they really need a middle forward and I think that he's going to be playing 60-plus minutes if he does that. At the Gold Coast Titans, I think that he's definitely like a 55-bit player and I think because he's leaving, my concern is that they'll err on giving him less minutes and more minutes than some of the other guys as well. Um, so there's worries for me on Arrow if he's a Gold Coast Titan for round one to be my side. Yeah, I originally had him in because he's undervalued, but that, that undervalue is based on two things. Um, number one, him actually getting the minutes, like you said, and there's obviously no guarantee of it, mate. And also the um, the brown factor, him actually being healthy and not, not being injured. Yep. Look, if this bloke stays healthy, he's priced at a 62, but in games where he played over 60 minutes, his average was 75 off 68. So an average of 75 when he's priced at 62, the guy is massively undervalued, especially when he's using 82% base. You absolutely don't need him to play 80 minutes. That, that's, that's a load of crap. All you need is him to stay 65, 65 minutes on, on, on the park, but that's the big question. Is he going to stay on the park and is he um, for that length of time and is he not going to be injured? That, those are the only questions, mate. So if someone can please give me the answer to that, then I'll make my decision. <laughs> mate, I'll, go, I'll make my, de- my decision. I'll go one step further and say low, low 60s in the minutes, 62, 63 minutes, and he's still going to be an absolute buy. Oh, I think I, I said this last season um, in the preseason podcast and during the season. For Supercoach, Jaira has the ability to be the number one forward in the game. Um, he, he just needs the minutes. He's got the ability to play 80 minutes. He can be an 80-minute back rower, no question. Will he ever get those minutes? Who knows? But in saying that, like you said, if he gets 65, he's looking at mid-70s, and that's fantastic scoring. Like That's back at Paul Gallon, Corey Parker type days um, of reliability. Oh. So the sky's the limit, really. Yeah. It's just about the minutes, hey? Yeah, hell yeah. Um, problem is, he's kind of like Reese Martin. He's the, he's the musher, mate. <laughs> <laughs> 
soon as you get him on or back him, he goes down with a sternum or something or other. The um, I think he had one massive game last year where he, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he score? Uh, well, round two, massive, yeah, round two, he scored no, 110 without any tries or scoring stats. Yeah, that's right. Just get going and go. Like the energizer bunny, mate. Yeah, he, he's a type of forward you want in your team, but not if, not if he's going to score 110 and then you get ahead of the pack and then the next week he goes down with a sternum after five minutes and all of a sudden you, you shot and you're back to square one and going, oh, crap, what do I do? So I'm just going to go to risk averse approach and I've reluctantly taken him out. But I'm the same, but uh, if he does get an early release to South, which they're obviously trying to talk about, um, he'll be back on my radar, and I dare say I, I'll probably start him. I would, I would hate that because then I would probably have to take him and Murray out. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting how they use him. But what I've read and what I think would happen is Arrow would actually play prop. And you know, some people say, "Oh, well, he's definitely only going to get fifty-five minutes." Then, well, not really, because there's props like Payne Haas that have broken the mould and shown that you can have high-minute props with that sort of motor, and he's got that sort of motor. So I think that he could do 65 minutes or 62 minutes. I think it's more realistic, you know, you know, number 10 or number 8 jersey, um, and that'll be fine. So I don't think he'd affect Cam Murray in that instance, but we'll have to wait and see. It's all a pipe dream at the moment, mate, so we'll move on. The risk that I've got for the Gold Coast Titans, I don't want anyone to be sick about this because I've been burned by this guy so many times. I've learned to live with it. Tyrone Peachy, I'm not saying he's a great player at all. He's under our risk category. <laughs> don't vomit, Billy. It's okay. He's not that bad. But he is only 366k. So Didn't vomit by a dry reach. 39-point <laughs> a game. 39-point a game that he's priced at to start the season. And he's a centre wing dual second row forward. A couple of key points, though, in some upside, okay? Aside from his cheap price, he only scored two tries last year. That was the worst strike rate of his career, even when he had a lot of his seasons coming off the bench. He played four positions, but in the three jumper, he had a 48 average, and he's actually got some pretty good matchups, including the round 12 by versus Dogs. The Titans starting draw, though, isn't too fantastic, um, but he is someone who is in that cheap mid-range category. And if he's a starting centre, he only got to be in that jumper, you know, less than half of last season that he played. So he might have a little bit of upside at that price point potentially, but obviously a big risk and, you know, has disappointed us before. I'm not really sure what to add because I honestly didn't do any research on this play whatsoever. <laughs> so, you're, so he's straight in your side. You don't need to see it anymore. He's, he's in there. Mate, I, I'm more interested in Dale Copley. I'm, I'm praying that bloke gets around. I really like him. I think he'll be good in New South Wales Cup, but I don't know if he's going to be in the, the first side. Have you owned Peachy before? Have you been on the roller coaster? Uh, no, I've um, tossed and turned um, as to when they're getting um, during Origin rounds, but he's one of those blokes where he'll be playing second row and then you go to get him and all of a sudden he goes to um, centre or to... Um, or to 5-8, and he just plays the wrong position in the wrong game and, or just gets injured and it's absolutely just messes with your head. So yeah. um, he just doesn't have that consistency. Like he, he can be named to start and then all of a sudden he goes to the bench and comes on for five minutes in the one game that you need him. So I agree. less chance of that. 100%. Less, less, less chance of that happening. Less chance of that happening at the Gold Coast, but the uncertainty kills me, mate. Yeah, he, I, he got moved. He, he was... He played four or five different positions last year, so there was a lot of that. One of the things that Gold Coast do have in their favour is that they do have a 
a different coach for Peachy. So that's potentially going to help him out. I think if he gets a consistency, he might be able to roll off a few scores. But it's definitely it's a massive risk, but he is quite cheap to start the year. So he's one on the radar because there's not too many Titans to look at. Big Ball's pod, though. This one's, this one's a bigger risk than Tyrone Peachy. The young halfback, Taylor, obviously missed a lot of last season. Um, there was talk that he wasn't even going to be back at all at the Gold Coast. I've only got him here for value, and the, the price point that he's at um, makes him have some value now. A lot of people say, oh, Ash Taylor's not a good supercoach player. He isn't, and he hasn't really been that great in the past, but supercoach, especially for round one, is all about looking at value. And he is only at 329k, so that's super cheap. It's only a 35-point average. Um, now, last year, obviously, he's only done the 35, but the year before, in 2018, he did 45 points a game, and so that's a full 10 points better. If you go back the year before that, he did a 53 in 2017 and a 51 in 2016. If he's a 50s player, you're talking about 15-plus points undervalued at a 329k starting point. Uh, George Williams, rightly so, is a popular rookie for Canberra in the halves that a lot of people have taken notice of. They're almost an identical price point, and I would dare say that Ash Taylor, controversially, might have more chance of short-term money-making than what George Williams would. So that's why I think he's a little bit relevant to have a look at. Um, it is a bit of a big balls pod, but it could also be a bit of a a bit of a cash-making um, of 100k plus in the first couple of months, and you can jump off. Yeah, they're coming up against the Eels though, mate, so I'd rather go with uh, William, just got the easier draw. <laughs> oh, those mighty Eels. <laughs> mate, I've got to get on the bandwagon, Ellie. Um, do, you, um, do you see much value in Ash Taylor, though, considering you've obviously got to have, I think a lot of builds have got like two cheap halves in the reserve roles at half and five eight. so you've got to find some, and there's not that many really that are going to be around. Yeah, look, he might be undervalued um, a little, but he scored 13, 16, 17, 21, 33, 35, and every single one of those apart from one was all an 80-minute game. So why would that change this year? That's just my line of thought. And even if it does, I just see him as not as not as 15 points undervalued. I see him as taking out 20, po- 20 points of salary cap that I could otherwise get with a cheapie or just an absolute enough just so I could loop. I reckon there's more value in enough with him than him, honestly, mate. Yeah, I mean, fair call. Obviously, there's got to be some mid-rangers in your team. So you're going to have to pick uh, a, a number of mid-rangers in your side to be able to make it work, um, unless you know, you're know you going for 15 rookies in your side somehow. So there's going to have to be some decisions on what mid-rangers you're going to throw in. Um, I note that you did go glass half empty on his stats then, though, because he did have half of his games where he had a month straight going 53, 52, 52, and 62. So there was that nice little run in there. Um, And last year he had a lot of mental health issues and things, obviously walked away from the game. Um, After round 12, he only played the one game and he was physically fit, but it was mental stuff. So uh, I kind of think that he's going to be more towards his, his form before um, last season. Um, if he's somewhere in between his 16 and 18 average, that puts him at about 49 points a game. So I, I reckon there's, there's some value there. I'm actually going to consider Ash Taylor against George Williams, but I'm going to see what George Williams looks like in the trials to see whether he's going to be able to you know, start performing at NRL level straight away. Because you're going full dirty this year, aren't you? 
I'm not putting all of them in, mate, but I'm, there's some of them I'm considering. I mean, look, look at it this way. You've got a half in George Williams. It's a similar price point who has not played a game at NRL level and is relatively, you know, I think he's like 24 years old or something. He's relatively young still. He, he's he got a big adjustment to make playing in Canberra from coming over to from the UK Super League. Ash Taylor's done the NRL for, you know, a number of years now. Um, and prior to last year, he was meant to be the next big thing for three years with a 50 average in Supercoach. You know, he's... Yeah. He, he, he's got the experience already to do it, and he's priced the same. So, yeah, he's still a young guy as well. He's only 24 years of age himself. I just see them as a like-for-like comparison, but one of them's very experienced in Ash Taylor and has runs on the board before. George Williams has got none. Yeah, the difference is Ash Taylor with that team has to create something, whereas Williams has an awesome forward pack, and down at Canberra, mate, all he needs to do is just keep giving it to them, let them run closer to the line and then just you know, chuck one or two balls and someone will crash over. He does. I reckon he needs to do a lot less than what Ash Taylor does. So that's, that's, yeah, that's more, more, more than happy just to pick up Williams and just leave him, let him rot on the bench and just see what corner you can make. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's very true. Ash Taylor's got the worst team for sure out of the two um, and the Raiders will score more points and not get flogged as much or hardly at all probably because they'll probably have a good year. Um, moving on from Ash Taylor, he's a big balls pod for a reason, guys. Um, cash cow rookie to have a look at. There wasn't really any rookies or big cash cows, but there was a guy a bit similar to Ash Taylor um, that could make a fair bit of coin, and that is Brimson. So Brimson's priced at 359k, Billy, at a 39 point average. Pretty cheap price point. Um, obviously, didn't have a very good average in, in 2019, but he was 10 points better in 2018. Played in four different jerseys last year, so he's all over the shop. Um, I know that you spoke about him a fair bit last year when we were chatting during the game reviews and stuff. When he was at number one, he had some pretty scintillating tries and stuff. Have you been looking at uh, Brimson as a 5'8 option, potentially? I have. Um, yeah, the only reason I mentioned him last year is because when he moved, to, when he moved to fullback, he was obviously underpriced. He was a good, good little runner of the ball, and given his um, uh, half background, um, more opportunities to creating something for the team. So the, I kind of liked him for the buy period. Price at a forty, his average, his average is forty five at fullback. Climbs to kind of fifty four without those two half games that he played for some reason. He, he must have been. I thought he must have been injured, but he played the next round, so maybe it was just a couple strains or something or other. Priced at a thirty nine, so he's not the not the worst mid price mid price cashy. Um, you're going to get a running game out of him if you want someone like that to start at five eight. So as opposed to buying a half who doesn't create any, create anything and instead of getting a risky risking like a, a 10 or a 20 score you know you're at least going to kind of get sort of 50 off him so look I prefer a full cheapie um, and a stretch him to a decent starter like sort of Cleary or something rather but if you can't do that and you want to want to back stack your forwards and your fullbacks and, and your hookers then I can see the um, the high floor value in yeah, look, uh, and that's it's another thing where a lot of it's going to come down to TLT, isn't it? Because we might get to TLT and have no bottom price five eight or half back named, and if that happens, um, you can't very well just go four guns in your halves. You have to get some of these sort of guys. So it's why it's important to sort of look at them a little bit now, so you've got the backup options. Um, I don't particularly like Brimson at six very much. Um, I think that he was a pretty dynamic one at times. Um, in his games at six last year, he went. Four games, and each one of them scored 41 points, 25 points, 
40 points and 60 points. So it wasn't phenomenal, um, but it was also a very small sample size, and he's only a young man that's been in the league for two years, so he might improve um, quite a, quite a bit, and he's got a new coach there too. So definitely some upside. Um, I'm probably going to steer clear, but I can see the appeal. Uh, as far as fallen guns, though, um, this guy's really interesting, and he's made his way into a lot of sides, Billy. Uh, Ryan James obviously did his ACL last year, ended up only playing six games with a 38-point average, which is the worst of his career pretty much since he's been a starter. He's coming back this year, hopefully healthy. The years prior to his 38, he did 63 points a game in 2018. Then the year before, 60 points a game. The year before, career year, 73 points a game. And the year before that, in 2015, he was at 47 so even his worst seasons as a starter, he's you know ten points odd better than what he did in twenty nineteen. So I can definitely see the appeal when he's only priced at three hundred and fifty five k. Um, the problem for me is definitely one of those trial watches. I think to see where he's at health wise. There was an article that I read where he was actually saying he preferred to probably start in the middle and play less minutes to start off with, um, potentially because he's coming off his ACL. He doesn't. He's not confident he can play big minutes. They may not want to play in big minutes straight away. He might not have the fitness. He's a pretty big guy. If he doesn't get the minutes, you know, if he starts off playing 40 minutes a game, it's going to be a little bit frustrating owning him even for 355k. Uh, and you're going to be playing him as well, and he's probably only going to be getting his 38 points. You know, that's that's probably the concern. The upside, though, if he looks great in the trials, and if, if he's starting on, um, you know, 60 minutes a game, that's going to be huge value, and you pretty much have to get him in if you know that he's going to be doing those minutes. Kind of makes Arrow a lot more appealing, doesn't it, given he, that he wants to start low minutes and they're going to have a bench hooker? Yeah, a little bit, although they screwed Arrow around last year and Ryan James is out most of the year anyway, so, yeah, it's a new coach. Yeah, so. yeah look, I'm, I'm not overly keen on him. Um, I've chucked, in saying that, I've chucked him in and out a couple of times just to see how he looks, but every time I chuck him in, I think, yeah, he's undervalued, and I go, uh knee tightens, could go back to the edge, could re-injure it. Uh, then, I, then I just chuck Fafir back in there then I chuck Pangai in there hoping he's going to play edge and then I just delete the whole thing and just leave it blank and then I'm, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm happy again <laughs> so I think I'm going to leave that position blank right until the last minute and hope that somebody comes up in the, the team this moment Yeah, I mean even last year he sort of he started off on the edge and then he went to the middle um, and then he went back to the edge and got injured so it's the, the Titans might have more of a more of an idea of his role from the start this year. I, I can see anyone deciding to go for him. I actually like some other mid-range options a little bit better. Um, I'm concerned about any big forward that's coming off an ACL injury. And coming off an ACL injury is tough for anyone, but for a guy that's, you know, 115 kilos or whatever and 6'3", um, it's going to be tough for him. And in the heat on the Gold Coast to start the year, yep. Um, I'm probably going to leave him, but like you, he's been in my side more than once or twice as well with the 25 iterations I've now done to it. So, yeah. But there's no guarantee either. I mean, if you completely ignore his round six where he actually got injured, the first five, the first five games, he actually averaged 62 minutes, still averaged 44. So, yeah. yeah. I was having this conversation with one of the guys in one of our groups, actually, or a couple of them, because... They were saying, you know, how much of a gun he used to be and stuff. And I think a lot of people were men- were remembering that run that he went on over the bye period where he was throwing out tons and scoring tries everywhere and whatever. And I, I actually said to them, he's got a lot of shit scores in him. 
Like he's he's had a lot of runs of scoring forties in big minutes, and that's a real turnoff. Yeah, I, I think I think the real opportunity here is not running with him, and hopefully, sort of you know, twenty thirty percent of people maybe pick him up, and he becomes your antipod. So the, the bloke that you don't own, and hopefully that your your Fafida or Pangaea, or even if you want to go two gun forwards or whoever that is, the kind of slim pickings up there. Um, whoever you pick there in, in, instead kind of off the difference between Ryan James, whatever that person is, uh, scores is kind of like your, your pod for the first five or six rounds. Yep. So, and also what you're saying is that I can start with Nathan Brown and when he gets injured round three, I can downgrade him to Ryan James who's been going gangbusters and just get on board anyway. Yeah, you could yeah, yeah, there you go. Good, down, <laughs> good downgrade option, mate. Yeah, I, I guess that's uh, to finish up on on the podcast talk on the Titans. That's one other thing to remember. I guess with guys like Ryan James and stuff, if you can't fit everyone in for round one, and you're not going to be able to, always remember there's always injuries for the first few weeks, and you can always just do a downgrade and just grab a cashy, bank some money, and just buy another gun the following week. Uh, Titans have got a few good options though, um, and a few definite mid range options, and I do think that they're going to end up with some good cheapies throughout the year. Um, Billy. Thanks for jumping on again, mate. First one in 2020. Hopefully you got the cobwebs out. Yeah, mate, definitely. Getting the... Um, although I've been doing the BBL thing for a bit of fun. Funnily enough, I know absolutely nothing about 2020 and I'm coming 100th. So I'm yeah. focusing on that at the moment. <laughs> Top 100 in BBL. Look at you go. Oh, mate, I, I reckon the lead is too far away, but I can catch... I think they pay a 1000 bucks up, up to top 10. So I reckon I, can, <laughs> I reckon I can get to sort of 20th this week with a good round. See how we go. All right, well, good luck in the BBL. We'll have you on again soon for another pre-season podcast, mate. Cheers, mate. This is where the passion lies. All right, guys, thanks for listening again. Um, as always, listen to us on SoundCloud or download us and listen on iTunes where you can also subscribe, get the most up-to-date episodes all the time. Follow us on Twitter as well, NRL underscore, underscore SC underscore All Stars. Uh, it's great when we get a lot of followers on Twitter and also a lot of downloads and stuff. It makes it a lot easier to um, keep expanding the podcast and get extra guests on and stuff like that. Thanks for listening. Good luck with your teams. We'll be back next week with another podcast as well for our third preseason one. Until then, good luck and we'll see you soon.